Welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Good morning, friends. Great to be with you all. Uh, Let's begin with prayer. Father in heaven, as we uh, now take a moment to pause and uh, ask, Lord, that you would be with us as we, uh, Lord, uh, look at what love means. And and as we begin a new series, The Fruits of the Spirit, Lord, uh, attributes, Lord, that you desire that we incorporate into our life. Be with us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, There's a man named James Moore who tells of a story of a a man named George. He was an older gentleman. And George was the the type of guy who just had a very big heart for everybody. Everybody loved him. He he knew everybody by name. And when you talked to him, he genuinely listened. He was genuinely interested in what was going on in your life and maybe asked you to explain things. And and, uh, towards the end of his life, when he was uh, close to dying... He was in the hospital, and again, true as his nature could be, he got to know everybody, the nurses, the doctors, all of the staff, those who brought his food. He always made them feel better about themselves. One day, the hospital administrator came in, and they chatted, and as well, the hospital administrator left with a smile on his face. Shortly thereafter, as well, the man uh, who was cleaning the janitor came in, did everything that he could, and then as well, he had a quick conversation with uh, the janitor. Janitor as well, at the time when he entered, was quiet, left smiling, because he had had a great conversation with George. And and in this conversation, George's children were there, and uh, one of the children pointed out, Dad, did you realize that you treated the president of the hospital and the janitor of the hospital the same way. And George, he chuckled. <laughs> and he said, now let me, let me ask you something. If the administrator left for two weeks and the janitor left for two weeks, who do you think would be missed more? Well, George then called his children around his bed and he asked them, come over here, I, I want to show you something. And he, kept, he pulled something out of his pocket and he told him, even when I mow, I still carry this. And he pulls out a pocket-sized cross. And, and on the back of the cross are the words, God loves you. And, and as well, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. The cross is a reminder of God's great, remarkable love for us. A love that truly, even as humans, I don't think we can truly fathom, but... But in awe, and and I know we can at least get glimpses of that, a wonderful love that knows no no boundaries. Now, today, we begin a new series called The Fruits of the Spirit. And and it's uh, the basis of of this series is found in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. And and to understand the context of of this uh, series, well, Paul wrote a later letter to Galatia. And they were having some trouble because at this time, by that point, Christianity was a mixture of 
Jewish Christians, those who had been in the faith and were uh, eventually converted to the Christian faith, they, they accepted Christ as their Savior. But there were also Gentile Christians who, who did, had no background in the Jewish faith. And much like there was an issue in Acts 15, there were some who believed Jewish Christians that in order to be part of the, the movement, to be part of the cross, uh, the men would have to get circumcised. And and Paul is like, no, 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 we're, we're, we're not, we're saved by grace. We're, we're, we're not, we're, we're inhibiting the gospel by asking them to do this. And, and so much so, it was, they became a headache to Paul. And so in the first uh, couple chapters, he asserts his authority as an apostle, and he lays out the groundwork of why we're saved by grace, and we live by faith. And so, um, as we learned as well in Romans, that uh, the law points out our sin. We live by faith, and much like Abraham, as it was credited to him as righteousness. So, in Galatians 5, Christ calls for a new way for us to live through the Holy Spirit. In fact, in Galatians 5, 1, uh, the premise of this is that Christ has set us free. For freedom has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. If we were to take out Christ and we were to simply live just by the law, our existence would not be that true. We would revert back to the days before Christ. Christ came into this world to live and ultimately die for us, that we may have salvation. And so, how then do we live? And, and Paul points out that Jesus has called us to a new way of living, not through the law, but through the Spirit. And so we find that in chapter 5, verse 22, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Against all such things, there is no law. And as you look at this list, I believe Paul intentionally put love first. Because without love, it'd be hard to be able to accomplish being patient, being good, being kind, being gentle. Love enables us to be able to have all these other attributes. Now, within Scripture, there are four different types of love. There's the, the, the storge, uh, the familial love, and also the eros, the, the romantic love. But in the cases of the Bible, it's actually not used like that, but the opposite. So, that of non-romantic love and that of non-familial love. And then, there's also the philia, the, the brotherly love. Much like uh, the city of Philadelphia. Philia, the love of Delphia. And then finally, there is agape love. The love of God for man and of man for God. Within scripture, from uh, Genesis, sorry, uh, Matthew to Revelation, the Gothe and its, its subforms are used over 116 times. One of the greatest love, uh, descriptions in Scripture for agape love as well, a passage that we're probably all very familiar with, and that of 1 Corinthians 13, where it says, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or clanging cymbal. Have you ever dealt with somebody who maybe was trying to do the right same thing, but the way they said it was, was harsh and it was banging, didn't inspire you, right, to move forward, right? 
And yet, as well, it says, If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Many times it's even possible that we could know Scripture, but if we don't have love, it could lead us down a dangerous path of being, um, frankly, a bad representative of a disciple. Because truly, while it's important we need to know all these things, Christ has called us to a life of loving others. Three, if I possess, if I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I might be both, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And here's the crux of the passage when it comes to the agape, the love. It says, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. For many of us who are perhaps married, or, or even, even, even in our own family units, we have siblings, but especially for those who are married, uh, you know, every, every relationship, every marriage has its challenges. And sometimes, you know, we say things or we do things, and sometimes we tend to lose patience. And maybe when things are not done, we, we sometimes think, okay, I'm going to keep score. For every time that he or she doesn't do something. And maybe later, later on at a point where I can get even, I'm going to remind that person. And yet, Paul, again, who also wrote this letter to the Corinthians, he says, no, to truly live, you have to be patient, you have to be kind. We don't hold grudges. We have to be trusting and, and, and as well, in verse 13, it says, Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So patience, kindness, truth, being truthful, protecting, trusting, hoping, persevering, ultimately that of being humble, attributes that Jesus desires that we live by, and that we can only do through the Holy Spirit. By faith, trust, through prayer and of learning, and, and over time as well. If we truly desire to follow God, God will shape and mold us. You will not be the same person that you are the day before. If you truly desire to follow Christ and, and feel convicted, much like Zacchaeus, a man who, who, who basically was a tax collector, an outcast in, in the Jewish community, and perhaps maybe even... Uh, who, who stole or asked excessively for extra money, a man who was not well received, when he met Jesus, and Jesus says, I want to be having uh, uh, sharing a meal with you in your home, I want to go be with you at your home, his life changes forever, and his, 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 he is restored, his, he is brought back with dignity, and as well, he is convicted, so much so that if he had wronged anybody, he would we pay them four times. A fascinating study by um, Bernard Rimland. He was the director of the Institute for Child Research Behavior. And he said, um, the happiest people are those who help others. 
Each person involved in the study was asked to list 10 people he knew best and to label them as happy or not happy. And they were to go through the list again and label each one as selfish or unselfish. And using the, the definition of selfishness, a, a stable tendency to devote one's time and resources to one's own interest and welfare, an unwillingness to inconvenience oneself for others. So, Rimland found that of all the people labeled happy were also labeled unselfish. And he wrote that the, whose activities were also devoted to bringing themselves happiness are far less likely to be happy than those whose efforts are devoted to making others happy. Altruistic love. Do unto others as you would have them to do unto you. And even Jer Jerry Fleury talks of an altruistic love to be concerned for others and their happiness. Now, one way as well that we can reread Philippians, I'm sorry, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, is that of if we were to replace love with Christ, think of this. Christ is patient, Christ is kind, Christ is not envious, does not boast, Christ is not proud, doesn't dishonor others, is not self-seeking, is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. Christ does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always persevere. Christ never fails. Find a different reading and becomes more real. Christ was all of these things, especially here on earth. Sadly, William Barclay writes, more people had been brought into the church by the kindness, sorry, this is actually the good part, the second half is the bad part, but the good part is more people had been brought into the church by the kindness of real Christian love than by all of the theological arguments in the world. But here's the caution. And more people have been driven from the church by the hardness and ugliness of so-called Christianity than by all the doubts of the world. And research was recently done as well that that is a fact that majority of the people who left Christendom, but especially even Adventism, wasn't because of theological unbelief anymore. It was because of how they were treated. It's important how we treat and love one another. To not only treat our lover, uh, our, our neighbor as our as ourself, but to do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. In fact, uh, even uh, to the point where we forget that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. So should we not embrace and love one another as a family? God, in God's wisdom, created a diverse humanity, and there are attributes, fine attributes from many different people around the world. Both the beauty, but also a, 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 we can learn from one another. And yet, how often do our differences tear us apart? In John thirteen thirty four and 35, Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another. Agape, one another. As I have loved you, so that you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. One of the true marks of a follower of Jesus is that if we have and show, represent love for one another. And yet we find Los Angeles, a, a city with millions of people living in it, 
we could, would sometimes consider to be extremely diverse because we have people from all over the world, from China, uh, from Armenia, um, from uh, South America, you name it. There's all these different populations. And yet what I didn't realize, this was pointed out to me when I first started ministry many years ago, that while we have many different groups here, we also are live in pockets. For instance, you have Filipino town, you have Korea town. Of all of these towns that want to be able to lift up and 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 um, perhaps maybe show the best, but yet over time have realized that we even to some degree isolate ourselves from each other. God does not call us to isolate each other, but to live in harmony. Now, 2020 was a year I think that all everyone can agree that no one was expecting. Seems like from the very beginning, every couple of weeks, something new would pop up and, and it, it was crazy. And then finally, in March, pandemic hits, big time. We're all told to stay home. And yet, only certain entities could remain open. We were further divided by those who were deemed essential and non-essential. And yet, many of those who uh, were considered non-essential felt cast aside. And while many of us also were able, perhaps, to be able to receive a stimulus check and maybe gain unemployment, it wasn't enough. Because research indicates that almost 80% of all families in America live paycheck to paycheck. And many as well don't even have the ability to save. And it's created this perfect storm. And, and sad to say, horribly, as many of us, unless you're living under a rock, know that George Floyd murdered. And, and it creates this outrage and this anger, which I think is natural. I think we should be because it is unacceptable that that happened. And yet the volcano of tension that's been building for years, it finally erupts and we see people who genuinely want to just voice their opinion because they feel unheard. And, and, and to be able to share and, and let people know, look, this is not right. And certainly it was not right what happened to George Floyd. And I pray and hope that his family will be able to receive uh, justice that is deserved. But yet... In America, right now, we are deeply divided. We're divided politically. We're divided racially. We're divided socially. We're divided financially. And to be honest, sometimes I even feel unqualified right now speaking about this because I know that overall my life, um, I, for the most part, I've had a good, in many ways, like I've been privileged. My parents were not millionaires. They were hard workers. My dad, he's an immigrant, along with my grandparents. They came from the Philippines. And they worked very hard. My dad got an education to become a physical therapist and, and did their best to be able to provide and to educate for us. And at times, money at times was thin, especially in the beginning. But even towards the end of uh, my adolescence as well, at one point, it was, it was very good. I never worried about where my next meal would come from until I got to college when I was responsible. <laughs> Jesus, especially in the book of Luke and of Acts, one of the themes that Jesus points out is that he intentionally ministered to marginalized, 
He restored and gave dignity to the woman who anointed him. Zacchaeus, and as well, he dined with sinners and tax collectors. And finally, in the Good Samaritan, he tells us to love our neighbor, to go and do likewise. Jesus intentionally listened. He didn't just go, tell, he listened. And I think, I think if he were alive today, he would say something. His response wouldn't be violent. We can't respond with violence because ultimately, as, as the saying, an eye for an eye makes the world go blind. Braden Holtby writes, I, will, <clears throat> I know I will never truly know what it's like to walk in a black man's shoes, but I know I have arms and I have ears and a voice to walk beside and listen to every word of anguish and give my strength to every black man, woman, or child until their shoes weigh the same as mine. And I'll be very transparent. You know, I myself, I'm wrestling, I'm str- and frankly, how do we respond? What I do know is this. As a community, and especially individually, I can pray. That's one of the biggest things that we can do is that first pray that I will have the humility to be able to understand and have the patience to learn and hear and grow. Learn from other people's experience. But that we can, as a church as well, pray for our communities. Pray for those, again, as I I mentioned earlier this week in our weekly video, to pray for those who are grieving, for George Floyd's family, for those who've lost loved ones, for those, frankly, who've lost businesses because of rioting and looting. This week, many people called to go out, wanted to protest, and for those who had ulterior motives, instead turned it to where, instead of trying to represent and to remember George Floyd's life, were stealing. We have to have the humility to listen, just like the publican. And so pray. Be a model of love and of understanding. And yet as well, may we be the hands and the feet of Jesus. And I think even too, sometimes we, we need to speak up where we know that something is wrong. This past week, we've seen the dam break, and all tension and anger has flowed through. It's overflowed. And yet we're imperfect people living in an imperfect world, in need of a Savior. For many who simply wanted to share their voice, sadly, we're all brothers and sisters. If we truly are brothers and sisters, then we should adapt, sorry, embrace our diversity. I recently heard somebody saying, and I'm going to paraphrase it, but someone who's different that comes into your life is another opportunity by God to see another perspective and stretch you. And so as we work together, we have to work hand in hand to share the good news, to be the representatives of Christ in the community, to be the salt and light. Now, if history is an indicator Sometimes think, sometimes change, it doesn't happen overnight. It could. But I pray that I'm wrong. I hope that change will come. That we'll be able to have an understanding and to love and to be growing, to be accepting, to hear and to be able to come to the table and not throw bricks at each other and try to prove and be right 
but to simply stop and to listen and hear one another. And yet we also as well need to pick up a shovel and start digging a new road. And, and, and change, doesn't, change will take time, but I'm here for the long haul. Anything that is worthwhile will may take time, but it has to start somewhere. And so I pray, I hope and pray that we can as a community stand up to move forward. And while we move forward, pray that God will give us wisdom and guidance to know how to love and to lead, to give us opportunities to be able to be a force of change, to truly love, have that agape, to seek the good in everyone, and as well to seek that which is good for others. One test, true test of friendship is when your friend succeeds, you are happy for them. You're not jealous. May we be the embodiment of the agape love that Jesus talks about in Scripture, especially that of John 10, 34-35. A new command I give to you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. May the Lord bless, lead, and guide you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Grace and peace, everyone. Have a great week, and take care. We'll see you next week. We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.